Blog Talk Radio. Hit on that. 
All right. Well, I just launched the chat. Okay, I don't see you. Well, I'm the co-host. <laughs> this is tiny. What? What the heck is this? I don't know. This is this is oh. dumb. If I wanted a tiny chat like this, I'd be in Facebook. <laughs> Well, you know. How do I make this go away? Open moderator chat and new window. Come on. I'm going to refresh this sucker. This is dumb. Uh, The wonders of technology. Open moderator chat in new window. Chat is co-host. All right. Here we all are. Samantha had to refresh, too. So did I. Well, is it really a show without some sort of technical difficulty? That's true. And, of course, it's not a show without Blog Talk Radio deciding that they're going to add a new button, take a new button away, completely redo everything. (laughs) Because it doesn't matter if it's not broke, we're going to fix it anyway. Exactly. (laughs) Hey, um, Samantha and Summer, have you guys heard about Pony Fest 14? About what? Pony Fest 14. It's a contest. No. Basically, there is a a girl who has a blog, and she um she does a contest for authors. Um, they they design a pony based on one of their own pieces of writing. Mhm. And then. Um, there's a vote on whose design is best, and the winner gets a custom of their of their character made for them based on their design. Oh, cool! Here, there's a panel this year because I guess last year there was some. The problem with the popular vote is if you get someone who's really popular but their design isn't great. Sometimes that design wins. Yeah. And so to avoid popularity contests, um, there is both a popular vote and a panel vote. And Uh. so it won't just be a popular vote. There will be, and then the panel will ultimately make the final decision, though. Oh, so basically, you know, it's just like a regular election, you know. All the people, yeah, they vote, but it's actually another panel of people who actually do the actual voting. Yes, but in this case, everybody on the panel is a customizer. 
and a good one. There's Lightning Silver Mana. There's Calavista. Uh-huh. There's me. So there's people that actually know. I think um, Rev Ruby is one of the panelists. Ooh. So, so at least at least the people that have been appointed to the panel are people who actually know, like, I mean, a person can design a pony, but that doesn't mean that that design is actually possible in reality, you know? Mm-hmm. So at least everybody on the panel knows this is an impossible design. This is a possible design. This is a really good design. This design... You know, because we've all been doing it for a while. So, unlike politics, where they all just collect a paycheck and sit on their fat butts and do nothing, <laughs> and whine like little toddlers. But I didn't get what I wanted. You're not gonna give me my way. I'm not gonna give you your way. I. Uh, <laughs> Seriously. Instead of calling the president of the United States the commander-in-chief, we should just call any president what they actually are. The nanny. (laughs) Except for the nanny. That nanny is the worst. They're the nanny. They don't stay forever. But they're saddled with a room full of screaming crybabies for as long as they're there. Yeah, but this half is the true. Time, <laughs> but but half the time the president is a whining, screaming baby. Well, it's not my fault that our screening process is lacking. <laughs> not every nanny's a good nanny, it's, after all. It, this it's true, it, 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 Sometimes yeah. you get Mary Poppins or Nanny McPhee, and sometimes you get someone that, that's like the mom from Honey Boo Boo. <laughs> worse, just as bad as the kids, sometimes worse. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Sometimes you get a nanny that's awesome and magical, and sometimes you get a nanny that watches daytime soap operas and smokes and drinks. <laughs> if you don't have a good screening process, that's just the reality of what you're getting. You know, everyone who wants to be president should, I think, have to take the same citizenship test that we make potential immigrants take. Because I want them to actually know American history and not just think they know it. Everyone who wants to be president should be able to prove that they can spell and know common, like, cliche phrases and and things like that. You know, if you don't actually know the correct way to do um, this little piggy went to market, then maybe you're <laughs> Just, if you have to make up your own words to this little piggy went to market, maybe you shouldn't be president. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about like a basic common sense test? 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all our politicians would fall that would fail that, Nishi. All of them. <laughs> now you see my ultimate yep. plan for world domination. And I'm liking this plan. I want in on the ground floor. <laughs> Rock on. Rock on. And that's if if we make kids have to pass the SATs to go to college, they a politician should have to do even better on the SATs to become elected. Hey, how when did your pony show start? It's it's starting now. This is the top portion of my little pony. I know we're talking politics, but still. Yeah. It's not Gallifrey Falls or no more. It's Gallifrey Falls no more. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Ah, okay, I need to stop doing that. Okay. We need to stop. Okay. Uh, that better. That you better. all right? Yeah. Hey. hey, Cole, one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, guys, guess what We I got in the mail today? What's that? I got the whole- I got Hallmark Gold Crown catalog because I'm a Hallmark Rewards member. And because I bought the Cotton Candy My Little Pony ornament on the day of its launch on July 12th, they they decided to let me know that if I buy an, another ornament for their ornament debut weekend coming up here, that um, I can get a free ornament because I've already bought one on the... Um, Ornament premiere weekend. I love how pre- they're using premiere and debut like the different words. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but inside the catalog where it says limited quantity ornaments, I find this hilarious. Ornament E is Bane from Batman. <laughs> wow. There's nothing to Yuletide like Bane. <laughs> Happy, yeah, that, Merry yeah. Christmas. Happy New Year. Now, Smash now, that man. Roar. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What? Is this the original Bane or is this the Psycho Bane from the new version of the movie? The Psycho Bane from the new version of the movie? Oh, that okay. makes it better. <laughs> oh, yeah. Here in Portland, every every holiday season, we have a Christmas tree show at the, or at the Portland Convention Center. And I've been to it. It is a wonderful, wonderful thing. But what I would really love to see is someone do a Christmas tree of, like, things that are so not Christmas, like villains. Like how Bane and Maleficent and the Kaiser, I don't know, just little Hitler hanging up, hanging from one of the branches. <laughs> <laughs> just like 
I don't know a clever way to to describe that theme. A very unmerry Christmas, perhaps. A bad Christmas tree. Yes. Everybody that's getting coal for Christmas for the rest of their lives. <laughs> Santa's, the tree of Santa's naughty list. <laughs> there you go. That yeah. isn't the naughty list. It's the no way in heckles ever getting off of list. There you go. You know, you can have the Disney villains and historical villains and villains and comic book villains and people who mess up books when they try to make them into movies. <laughs> Thank you. Just saying, that it would be cool. No, actually, try I love this one. I love Christmas. It's my favorite time of year. But I also have a really wicked sense of humor, a very inappropriate sense of humor at times, and I would love to see the tree of Christmas. And the tree itself should be decorated like a Dalek. <laughs> a Dalek Christmas tree. <laughs> I like it. I've seen them. They're really easy to make because Dalek, like, you know, one hand is a paint roller without the paint roller on it, and one hand oh. is a plunger. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you then you have the eye stock, the eye stock, and the colander for the top of it. You know, oh. it it would be fairly simple to make, but imagine a Dolek with like all these evil villains hanging off its branches. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> that no, would be cool. Um, ta- talking about um, people who ruin books. Um, have either of you seen or read the other Bowling Girl? The I haven't what? read it. I saw the movie. The other bowling girl. No. Oh, we're having some more technical difficulties. Apparently, one of our one of us is our our is getting bad reception and hurting the ears. Okay. Well, we'll have to figure out which one. Normally, actually, Nishi, it's all—it's on your side. Well, um, I wish I had a landline for you guys, but I have a cell phone with Sprint. So um, hopefully we can, we can keep that down to a minimum. But um, the point I was making was I've seen the original movie that was made with Natalie Portman and all of that. Uh-huh. And I've read I've read a good chunk of the book. I never finished it because I got distracted by another book. And that can happen. <laughs> yes. That on um it was the Natalie Portman movie, yeah, it had some bad parts. But in general, it was pretty good, and it actually followed the storyline of the book. Uh Well, Netflix had the BBC series or something like that of the other Berlin girl. So I said, oh, cool, BBC always does great shows and great movies. 
Well, I rented it. I got through about 20 minutes of it. Oh, wow. That bad, huh? You know, some people were going, oh, this is much better because it's done as a documentary. It's a love story. Trying to make a documentary out of a love story. No. Actually, what it is, is have you guys ever seen Modern Family? Uh, bits no. and pieces of it. I've heard, good, I've heard good things about it. Well, you know how they'll sit there and they'll talk to the camera? Yeah. You mean well, like in uh, The Wonder Years? No. Well, like in The Office. Be... Oh, yeah. okay. Well, that's what they did with this. At certain points, they had them talking to the camera. Oh, I mean, that's great with some things, like when they're doing a mock documentary about the Titanic or something, but in this case, this doesn't sound like an appropriate forum for that. No, it's it's like, okay, first of all, it's a love story. You do not turn a love story into a documentary. Second of all, you do not take a love story and make it into the office. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm not sure I would call the other bowling girl a love story. I'm, I would call oh. it more of an example of bad decision making in relationships and why yeah. sometimes it's important to ignore the advice of your parents. Yeah. Well, I meant the love story between, you know, what's his face and And Mary, uh, King Henry and Mary. Mm. That was the love story I was talking about. And the BBC version of it, they completely ignored that part. He brings her to bed, romps with her and says, okay, good, good night, please. Yeah, well... Um, speaking of love stories and also on the topic of people who ruin books by trying to turn them into movies, yes, I specifically need to call out director and writer Andrew Adamson, as well as Christopher Marcus, as well as Christopher Marcus, and let me scroll down here, Stephen McFeely. Because those are the people responsible for Disney's version of the Chronicles of Narnia, Prince Caspian. Who decided that a movie isn't a movie unless you have some some unrequited teen romance. And so they decided that Prince Caspian was like 17 instead of like 8. And that he was going to have a mad crush on Lucy. Or Susan. Su- Susan. Yes, uh, Susan. Susan, the older one. Um, I love the Chronicles of Narnia series. I have the books. I have a printing of the books from the 70s in a box set that used to be my mom's. Ooh. Which is funny because for the longest time I just assumed my mother was illiterate. Um <laughs> 
they're really great books. And then the BBC made, I don't know if you'd call it a mini-series or a series of movies um, on the Chronicles of Narnia, and they stayed really true to the books. I mean, for the longest time, the Chronicles of Narnia series supported my belief that unicorns and other magical creatures were real because I saw them, they were so well animated onto the film. And the centaurs were so well done despite the limited technology we had back in the 80s that I honestly thought these things had to be real. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, t- by today's con- standards, it's it would look really low budget if we used the same things today. But at the time, it was, you know, woo. And when they, did quite a, they did quite a lot with what technology they had. Yeah. They, they they did as much as they could with the technology they had. And graphically speaking, the artistry of the sets and the costumes and the filming, everything of, that they did with that aspect was beautiful. But they changed the story so much that the original point of what you're supposed to take away from it was lost. You know, it wasn't supposed to be the, you know unrequited, impossible, star-crossed romance between Susan and Caspian. You know, it was supposed to be about having trust and faith in impossible situations. You know, and not allowing yourself to be tempted by evil simply because you're scared or ambitious, you know? And that message is, like, almost completely lost. And then they decided to throw the, the, the white witch in there, even though she wasn't actually... She never came back. They even brought her into the third movie. Like... I don't know, someone has a mad crush, you know, on the actress that plays White Queen or something. But it just, I don't even watch or own the Chronicles of Narnia Prince Caspian. I own the first one. I own the third one. The third one they took some liberties and the first one they took some liberties because all modern screenwriters and directors do. But the first one and the third one weren't so bad. It still had the original sort of intent to it, more or less. The second one was a total, total train wreck. Um, It just, I'm very, very disappointed in Andrew Adamson for his decisions regarding this. Especially because Andrew Adamson was both the director and one of the writers. Yeah, well, unfortunately, that's what happens with a lot of stories, whether it's, you know, from book or from some other source material, is that they have to kind of downplay a lot of the stuff that's a little more subtle to make it sell. Nothing is more interesting than Mommy's Purse. (laughs) <laughs> of course, because it's the Forbidden Zone. Yes. yes. Anyway, um, basically, if you think about it, writers 
and movie producers go with what's popular. And right now, especially um, with teenagers, it's the unrequited star-crossed lovers. Yeah, unfortunately. That's why after all these centuries, everybody still loves Romeo and Juliet, even though there's tons of other love stories that are much better. (laughs) Well, and it's just, to me... Now, I have read a lot of Shakespeare, because I was in theater for a lot of years. I am well-versed in Shakespeare. I've had to be Juliet and stand on a desk in English class and play Juliet, because my English teacher was both awesome and incredibly cruel. He's one of my favorite teachers ever. Um, <laughs> but And somehow, I don't know if he did this on purpose or what, but the guy who got to play Romeo was the guy I had a crush on in English class. Aww. You try and say your lines when you're looking down at someone you have a crush on. When you're standing in a dark classroom on a desk. Oh, but anyway... I got one better I am for not you. actually a fan of Romeo and Juliet. I Why really not? don't think because I don't think it's romantic. I think it's stupid. I think it's what happens when you have families that treat their children like property in a quest for power or vengeance. I don't but think it's a it's it's a romantic story. I think it's a cautionary tale. But you have to figure the time that it was written. Okay, that is exactly how it was. You know, you married for unless you were poor. You know, if you're a you know, in the in you know, up from in, if you're in the middle class and above, you're expected to marry not for love but for money power and political ties if you were poor you could marry the guy down the street nobody would you know nobody would give a rat's patootie <laughs> okay they'd just say look at that the, the horse's daughter and you know the cow the cow farmers son have gotten together oh wow good we'll have cows mating with uh Mate with the horses. Okay. <laughs> or it's just... I mean, you, you have to think about it from the point of view of when it was made. You have to figure... Well, see, I, under, I understand contextually its source reference. I just don't think that it's a relevant play in modern times. And if it is going to be relevant, it should warn people against the dangers of being so caught up in ambition and malice and vengeance that you don't lose what really matters. If it's going to be relevant, I think it should be looked at from that perspective as opposed to from the perspective of, oh, what a tragic romance. They loved each other so much that they committed suicide together. Well, actually, if you, I hate to, you know, use this as my point of view, if you look at um, the Romeo and Juliet with Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Danes, that's 
exactly the point. I heard that horrible sigh. (laughs) Yeah, I know, I know. It was a horrible movie. The only thing I really liked about that movie was John Leguizamo, because I like John Leguizamo. Okay. Well, you like him, but anyway, the very point at the very end of the movie, you know, they sat there and literally said, "Look at what you all did. Look at what your ambi- your ambitions have caused." And they really emphasized that. That's true. That that was a good thing about that movie. You know, the uh, yeah, it's it's part of the original play, but never when it's been portrayed, has it really been, you know, dude, do that, uh, duh, you all were stupid here. You're trying to force your kids with other people. They want to be here. Um, And look what they did in order to get what they wanted. (laughs) You all are stupid. You out of sun. You ain't got nobody left to take over this family business, you're out your only daughter, so there goes your bloodline, too. So look at that. You're both are screwed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just... Because both your women are just, like, too old and too barren to have another kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... And the problem is, is that most people look at Romeo and Juliet, and all they know about it, or all they remember about it, is the balcony scene. Yeah, You know, the guy standing down, you know, below your balcony, <laughs> you know, shouting, shouting romantic things, wanting to climb the trellis and enter your room and have his way with you, stalker. which is stalker. creepy in and of itself. Yes, stalker. <laughs> that is not romantic. That is effing scary. God did that today. He'd have the cops called on him and a restraining order. <laughs> That's one of one of the things I listed when I got the the stalking order against my crazy stalker ex boyfriend. Showing up at my house, pacing around on a porch outside my bedroom window all night because he wants to talk to me. He's showing up at my work. He tried to jump in my car. Wow. Oh, he was just trying to be romantic. (laughs) He was trying to be Romeo. He was trying to be crazy. And he was succeeding, apparently. Even the police, when I had to call because he violated the first docking order, said, next time just call 911. This guy's crazy. (laughs) That's bad when the cops suggest that. Don't don't call the non emergency number. Call the emergency number. <laughs> if, if it wasn't our job, we wouldn't want to confront this guy. We have Kevlar. You don't. Just call nine one one. So you know, it just oh, if I want to teach my daughter nothing else in this life, it's what what really is romantic and sweet and what signs what are signs of a guy that's gonna be a crazy, controlling, manipulative, abusive bastard. But as long as long as you don't teach her 
that a kid in the in her class who's the same age as her bends over, kisses her hand is sexual assault. No, I wouldn't do that because that's like <laughs> I, I I I think there's just some few happy people in our culture as well as I think everybody in the public school system, international public school system, has gone crazy, and all they yeah. care about is not tr- trying so hard to not be political and to cover their proverbial asses that they've become uber political. Um, yep. Yeah, I agree with that if, completely. If someone, if someone tried to say that my daughter was was going to be expelled because she kissed someone, my response to them would be, "What are you so upset about?" I'm just happy she didn't bite him. <laughs> We've worked long and hard to get her to understand the difference between bites and kisses, okay? <laughs> you want <laughs> you want to get mad at her for something? If she throw if if she throws a rock at another student, by all means. <laughs> but if she's being nice and giving hugs and kisses, let it go. <laughs> Well, that's good to know that you won't be the um the same the 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 same type of parents that you know charged a six year old with with um sex with sexual assault. Yeah, well, see, I think I think there is a sort of a a sickness a malady in our culture currently in which in an effort to be the trendy parent whatever forward thinking parent parents have stopped viewing their children as children and treating them all like they're adults yeah and a six year old has no sexual drive, has no concept of sex, doesn't know what it is. So they can't be guilty of sexual assault because if they give a kiss, it's because they're being nice because mommy and daddy gives them kisses when mommy and daddy are being nice. So that's just what people do when they're nice. They don't know what sex is, so they can't possibly hope to understand sexual assault. And all you're going to do if you punish a child for kissing another kid on the hand is make them confused about what is right and what is wrong. You're expecting them to understand something that is so far above their concept of understanding. They have no reference for what you're talking about. That's like it's even harder than trying to explain to a child where the where the dog or cat went when a pet dies for the first time. You know, it's and even then, they don't really understand that, but at least they know the dog or cat is gone and not coming back. But explaining a concept that even most adults have a hard time understanding to a six-year-old is cruel. Yeah. That something that no child has any hope of ever meeting. It's an impossible expectation. And I think as a society, we kind of need to, oh, I wish we could swear on the show. We need to chill out. We need to take a deep breath 
and reevaluate our priorities. We need to look at what we're really teaching kids because I think we've gotten so caught up in the politics and sensationalism um, that media and talk shows and realities promote that we have completely lost touch with the way reality actually works for the most part. It's like it's like Wonderland, except without all the cool stuff. <laughs> it's the most boring Wonderland ever. Everything is, but not in a way that's fun. So I would just encourage parents to put your political views and your religious views and your social platforms aside and look at your child for what they are. They're a child. They don't know the difference between people food and cat food. You have to feed your child cat food. They're, they're probably not going to get sick unless you feed them a lot of it. And they might not even complain because they don't have a reference. If you give them food. I ate cat food as a child because as a three-year-old, I did not understand that the mama cat was perfectly capable of teaching her kittens how to eat, and I didn't have to do it for her. <laughs> <laughs> well, in your mind, you were helping. So that was a good I thing. Thought I, was, I thought I was helping. And, and mom got really mad at me, and I didn't understand what I was doing wrong. You know, kids do that. A kid will walk around with a hairbrush, and that hairbrush will be a microphone, a telephone, a screwdriver. It'll be whatever the kid wants it to be. (laughs) Expecting a child to grasp something as intangible as, as, as reproduction and yeah. its purpose and what causes it and how it works is stupid. Anyone who thinks that a child is going to have any clue what you're talking about is an idiot. So anyway, that's my soapbox for today. Yeah. Learn. <laughs> just Take some deep breathing exercises, learn yoga, learn tai chi, whatever it is you need to do to chill out and stop being such jerks, everybody. Just five seconds. Let motion. kids be kids. If your kid wants to take, you know, let your kid play with tinfoil. Let them make a whatever it is they're making out of tinfoil, even if it's just a ball of tinfoil that they then carry around for the next two hours because they think it's awesome. Let them do it. Stop trying to prove that your kid is the smartest or, you know, the most advanced or the specialist or whatever. Just let your kid play. And if a little kid gives kisses or hugs, applaud them. They're being nice. They're not pushing someone down, pulling hair, scratching, biting, or throwing things. Oh, wait. I thought that was the, I thought that was the ritual mating dance. 
a small <laughs> kid. <laughs> yeah, so I just. <laughs> sorry, my bird keeps telling me bye. <laughs> <laughs> I guess your bird's trying to tell you to leave. I think yeah. so. But yeah, so I just I just think that that we've just gotten a little off track and instead of trying to raise people to be stronger, smarter, better, more competitive, uh we should start trying to teach people to be nicer and more compassionate, compassionate and more able to express their feelings, not less. Because I think most of the violence that happens in any civilization is not because people are expressing themselves too much, but because people haven't learned to express themselves in a way that is both appropriate and understandable. I agree with that. And I think we should encourage more uh, more men to men more to express their feelings. Their, oh, oh, oh. their creativity. I was just watching, I, I just got cut off on uh, Face Off today. And I watched the, have you guys watched that show? Uh, no. I've seen one or two episodes. Okay, well, I like watching people make things, especially sculpting things, because it makes me want to work on ponies. Um, and Face Off is um, movie makeups. Ah, for, okay. or, you know. And one of the judges on the show they is uh well there's there's three main judges usually. Um there's V Neal, there's Glenn Hetrick and Neville Page. And all these people have done thing famous things, big things like Lord of the Rings, Trek, Star Wars, um Alien, Predator, things like that. They're big names in the industry. And one of them, uh, Nev- uh, not Neville Page, uh, Page, female, Glenn Hetrick. Glenn Hetrick is a very intimidating looking man. I swear, every episode he looks more and more like a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> this is a man with dark black hair that's very. Vegeta-like, except it, it, instead of sticking up in the back, it goes down. He, he, he's great. I love him. Um, <laughs> he wears, his, you know, he's very goth-looking. He's got dark eye makeup, earrings and piercings and, and things. And I never really thought much of it because I live in Portland, and this is not new to me. But they just had an episode where the judges had to do a face-off, a face-off challenge, a three-day challenge, which is something that usually only the contestants do, but the judges were doing it for charity. And this is the first time I've ever seen Glenn Hetrick without his makeup on. It never occurred to me how much makeup he actually puts on and how much work he actually puts into his appearance. And he, he does not look like, pardon the term I'm going to use, I do not use this term 
in this way, but I'm for the benefit of people who may be watching. This is a term that I think you will understand because everybody has probably heard it used this way. He does not look like a fairy. He looks like someone who could kick your ass. <laughs> and so he, I he looks kind of more like a big tough truck driver, not somebody you would pay as an interior decorator. Yes. Gotcha. Well, well, I might pay him as an interior decorator, but then, like I said, I have a, I have a wicked sense of humor. My style is a bit, it Wonderlandian, so, um, but I don't think most people would hire him as an interior decorator. Um, uh, I, I, I would, met, you know, it just. I think we should encourage guys to take more pride in their appearance. To if they want to have, if they want to darken their eyebrows and wear mascara and eyeliner and lip gloss or lipstick, whatever, foundation. If they want to moisturize, God damn it, do it. There is, <laughs> why shouldn't you? Wow. Sorry. Sorry. Right. I feel very strongly. I believe that men should be allowed to express themselves as much as women do. And I think women should be just as respected as men. And I I really think that quality in our country, not just for women, it's just women experience it in different ways. I think men are, people try to force men to be a certain stereotype as well. And I think that we would experience true happiness and enlightenment as a civilization if we allowed men to dress nice and to take pride in their appearance and to take care of their skin and their body the way we expect women to. And I think that women should be allowed to just relax every once in a while and not have to look like a fashion plate if they don't want to. I think people should allow be allowed to express who they really feel they are and that we shouldn't call people names simply because they don't look like what we expect them to look like. I'm not sure if that made as much sense as it made in my head, but I hope it did. Mm, I think we get the idea what you're trying to put across. Just let let people be people regardless of anything else. Yeah, because I don't think looking pretty necessarily means you're good, and I don't think looking hard or gothy or frumpy means you're bad. Some of the best people I know don't have time to dress up and do a lot, because they're busy doing stuff for other people. Mm-hmm. You know? And some of the biggest jerks I ever went to high school with were the guys that were, you know, the dreamboat. So, and well, then that's that's getting into the whole judging judging a book by its cover kind of thing. Yeah, well, I mean, but my crazy stalker ex boyfriend, he was your stereotypical nerd, the one that everybody thinks will will, will be the nice guy, and he was not a nice guy. Hmm. 
being a nerd doesn't mean you're a nice guy. Being a dreamboat doesn't mean you're a nice guy. Being a nice guy means you're a nice guy. You know? Be, being respectful and and helping and trying to make the, the world better, you know, by... If you see someone that needs help, helping them. If you see someone that's hurt, helping them. You know, actual nice things makes you a nice guy. And similarly, being pretty doesn't mean you're a good girl, and being ugly doesn't mean you're a good girl. I knew girls in high school that were, again, you're kind of your outcast-looking girls who were great, and I knew some girls that were your outcast-looking girls who I could see why they were outcasts, because they were mean to everybody. You know, they they went around just being mean all the time. And, and they looked mean, and they were mean. But I also knew girls that looked mean but were actually sweethearts. And I knew girls that looked like Apple White, who were sweethearts. And one of them was a girl I knew named Hannah, and she died in high school, and it broke my heart. Well, think about it. Um, Bikers, for the longest time, you know, people were always saying, you know, they're, they're, they're the bad crowd. Okay, and they still some some people think that. Um, they will get on their bike in the rain, in the snow, strap a toy to the back of it to take it to give to um underprivileged kids to sick kids. Well, yeah, and I've well, also heard of some 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 biker clubs that work with women's shelters to protect women and children from their abusers. Yeah. They will form a sort of barricade of bikers. And I just think people should... should get to know people and look past the what's on the outside and and really see people for who they really are and not just for who they look like because i <laughs> i don't know i think that I think that people would have a lot more fun and be a lot happier and a lot less angry and violent if if they were just allowed to be themselves. And, you know, but I live, again, I live in Portland, Oregon. We have the Unibiker. So Unibiker? Have you, he's a guy that dresses generally either as Darth Vader or Stormtrooper. Sometimes is Captain Jack Sparrow. He rides a unicycle while playing a bad pipe that shoots flames. That is awesome. <laughs> I second that. 
He is the definition of Portland as far as I am concerned. This is my home. <laughs> this is okay, why I... I don't feel like I could move from Portland. Okay, you guys would laugh. I currently have a puppy, a puppy dog, a pony puppy in my lap who is watching dog TV and falling asleep. Oh, I gave my big cat a bath yesterday. He's very fluffy. <laughs> That's how my dog looks after we get after we finally wrestle him down for a bath. He comes out yeah, all he's... white and fuzzy and furry, and you just want to pet him and hold him and snuggle with him. Well, and and our big cat Pewter, he's being very, very good right now. He's laying in the middle of the floor, letting Melody like play next to him and play with him and pet him the wrong way. <laughs> that <laughs> is a very smart cat. Yeah, he's fourteen years old, you know. Oh wow! And. He doesn't act like a 14-year-old cat, except for the fact that he's not attacking her right now. That's the only way I can tell. He doesn't look old, and generally he doesn't act old. But yeah, he was a very aggressive cat when I first got him. I got him when he was six weeks old, and he was trying to take down St. Bernard's. I got him I got his front paws declawed because he wouldn't stop hunting people. Uh. <laughs> he would hide around a corner and then when you got within range he'd come running out, he'd jump and then he'd grab a hold of the top of your leg and slide down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Lost, I'm, I'm, lost I'm a lot of blood. There. My dog just looked so, up at me kind of like, the, the episode just ended. You need to start another one. <laughs> well, hey, does anybody have any pony news this week? Um, I do. Oh, what's your hey. pony news? Uh, I finished up a bunch of customs last week. I think you might have seen them. I posted them on my Facebook. Uh, and well, let me go to your Facebook page. I I suspect I know any, my I know Pandora Rose app, Yeah. I suspect my Facebook I, app is glitchy I, because it hasn't been showing me things. So I would I would go to your Facebook page, but then I think I'd have an angry puppy. Um, <laughs> that's okay. We don't want watching, you to have an angry puppy. He's watching dog on my laptop, so Love the picture of Vampire Hunter D you have. Thank you. And I oh, also picked I love up his horse. What's that? I love his horse. Oh, his cyborg horse. Yeah. I want to make a custom of his cyborg horse. <gasps> there went Pony Puppy. Brittany. Summer. Yes. Carousel Moon Dancer Rocking Horse? Yes. 
I love it. I thought you would like that. <laughs> that custom was easy, too. That took all of, like, maybe two hours to do. Because all I had to do was put a base coat of white on her and repaint her eyes and then glue all the stuff on for her carousel tack. Ah, oh, I love her. That is a fantastic <laughs> Princess Luna. That looks way better than the way Hasbro does her. Oh, yeah, that was one that was the um, the design-your-own ones. Was it? That and looks awesome. And I repainted her. Because I was originally trying to, stri- to strip all the marker off of it, and it didn't come off. Well, I think you did a great job on her. She looks amazing. Oh, there's baby Frosting in the background. That's Melody's favorite baby pony. Oh, yeah? Yeah. He is oh, I cute. have that color brown. That This could almost be my workstation. <laughs> yes, you're cute too, honey. <laughs> Carrot Pony and Dewdrop Dazzle and some of the other background ponies. Yep. I had a whole bag full of the McDonald's T4 ponies and I had to do something with them. <laughs> so I made some into the background T4 ponies and I made some into T4 versions of G1 ponies. Yeah, she's been a busy little beaver. Oh, and I like I like these black ones. These are baseball ones. Yeah, the baseball ones. They're the um the Orioles one. They're yeah for the Baltimore Orioles. Ah. And my other news is that I got a hold of the Walgreens exclusive G4 pony. I cannot find her, and I want Nurse Nurse Redheart. Yes. I want her so bad, and I can't find her at any of my Walgreens. They have a ton of them at the Walgreens next to my work. Can you pick me up one? Yeah. Do you want one too, Amy? Please. Yeah, I can pick one up for each of you. I'll get them for you on payday. Uh, that was me saying that thank you in in the, in the language of the sneezers. Oh. <laughs> I'm glad everybody every I'm glad other people have pony news because I don't have any. Oh, no. But the only news I ever get is medical. Oh, wait, and I did have my hair permed this weekend. Oh, so that's fun. Yeah, so if we dyed my hair blue, pink, and white, I would look like... Like, uh, what was that one pony with the curly hair? Oh, uh, Precious Taylor is dating 
Precious gem? Yep. My head would look like her. And what are you debating, Nishi? Oh, sorry. I just saw a picture of my cousin Taylor, who lives in California, with his girlfriend. He's just titled the picture My Love. (laughs) I don't get to see my cousin Taylor very often. I think the last time I saw him, he was like 13. He's a young man now. He's in his 20s. Oh, dear. It just, mm. it just, he he looks like, <laughs> it looks like a political picture because they're so perfect. <laughs> I've, I've never, <laughs> not to try and like talk up my own genetic line or anything, you know. Oh, like no. Looking awesome. But it just, that is kind of. The picture looks like the stereotypical success, successful couple. <laughs> well, that's cute. So, I wish I had a phone number. See, he's, we've never been super close because he lives in California, so we almost never get to see each other. But I do really love my cousin, even if we're not close. So I hope, I I hope that that he and and the girl he is with really, really love each other and that their success isn't just on the outside in pictures. That would be I hope nice. they're, they're, you know, they're, they're, some people have pictures of them looking successful and happy because they're successful and happy. And some people have pictures of them looking successful and happy because they stage it well. Right. <laughs> so I want my cousin's cool. happiness to be the real thing. Well, that's good. No, but I went. And I wish the, I could um, call him and ask him about her. I don't even know her name. You can always Facebook him. He didn't tag her. Oh. But um. My cousin Taylor is very clever. You see, my Aunt Nikki is very conservative and didn't want him dating in high school. So when prom time came, he said she said that he could go with friends. I saw the picture of the friends he went with. Did he have a <laughs> I swear he, he had the harem of the prettiest girls in school. <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. I knew it. I knew it. I knew he was going to have a harem. <laughs> she said he could go one. with friends. Exactly. And they're all friends. They just all happen to be girls. <laughs> yeah. Since none of them was an exclusive girlfriend, technically it was okay. <laughs> I could just see, you know, you know how every prom they always do, like, you know, the the couple's photo. I could have just seen that one. I could have just seen the photographer going, okay, everyone squeeze in. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, my cousin is very clever. There you go. That is is really clever. I I secretly entertain hopes of him running for 
governor of California to replace um, what's his face, the Terminator, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Even though I, I'm pretty sure Taylor is probably a Republican, I still think he'd be a better candidate. <laughs> yeah. No, but um, I went. And I had my hair perm because I needed some something to make me happy. <laughs> After the news I got last week, Wednesday. Oh, oh no! What, what happened? Was Oh, the last procedure did not work. No. I'm still having the pain, and it's worse now. So now we have to do what's called a lumbar sympathy nerve block. Oh. Which is where that they go. That doesn't sound fun. Uh, no, not when they're going to start making my back a pin cushion once, once, once every week. Ow! Anywhere from three to five weeks. Computer, uh, work so. with me here. And it's it's not even a guarantee that this is the this is the thing that'll work. Because the first time they do it, that's going to be the, okay, is it this nerve that's actually causing the issue? Also, they're just going to poke around to see what works first? Well, no, they're going to poke me, inject the medication, and then I guess evidently the temperature in my leg is supposed to change. So if the temperature on my leg changes, evidently that's the nerve that's causing the issue. If it is, I have to go back either once a week or once every other week three to five times, depending upon how many times he feels like making me into a pincushion. Oh. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. That sounds like it kind of sucks. Yeah, but um, my mother didn't want to do it because, you know, she's like, what is that going to have to do with your knee? And it's like, Mom, you're a medical biller. You're a coder. You know the nerves come out of your back. But her issue was how close is it going to get? Is it going to be to my spine? My issue is it's going to poke me in the back. (laughs) I don't care where it is. They're going to poke me in the back. <laughs> and they're going to want to do it once a week. <laughs> so the orthopedic told her, you know, it's safe, it's more proven than any of the other methods we've used, but it is more aggressive, so that's why they didn't use it right away. Mm-hmm. So she's fine with it. She's fine. She's comfortable. They're still going to poke me in the back. (laughs) I looked at my mother and it's like, I'm glad everybody else is fine with this. I'm not fine with this. (laughs) Oh, Summer, I want to tell you I love that star shine you did. Yeah, that is cute. 
Oh, thank you. Starshine is one of my favorite rainbow ponies. Oh, the little one? Yeah. Yeah, Starshine she's her and, um, really cute. Starshine and Moonstone are, I think, my favorite um, rainbow ponies, although Parasol is really starting to grow on me and Sunlight. Oh, what the heck. I like all the first edition rainbow ponies. They're rainbow. What's not to like? Exactly. Oh, and you did a moonstone. Oh, there she is. She is gorgeous. Yep, I did the whole set of uh, rainbow po- first edition rainbow ponies because now I finally have the whole set of first edition rainbow ponies. Woohoo! Yes. Has I had to reorganize seen? the pony cabinet last week. Sweet. It's full. <laughs> That's the next thing I have to post pictures of. Yes, please do. Hey, have has anyone seen the picture that Sue Marie posted up in the MLP Arena Facebook group? Uh, which one? The flower pony? I don't think I've seen that one. That has pony pots? No, I'm. I might have to go look at that one later on. What one? Uh, hold on. Okay. God, I hit it when my computer runs stupid. Okay, if you guys look at my... Facebook page, you'll go ahead and see her on my timeline. I actually don't. I don't have a computer with internet right now. I'll have to look at it later when I head over to my friend's house. There you go. But do you see her, um, Nishi? What am I looking for? <laughs> Hold on. I hear clicking in the background. If Melody is hitting my... the TV with a block. <laughs> uh, if you look Betty just at the block um, away. If you go on my uh, Facebook page, come on, computer, work with me here. Make it work. 
I watch way too much Project Runway. I absolutely adore Tim Gunn. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've seen that pony, um, that flower pony. Yeah, poor thing. I think it could be cleaned up. Yeah, I think that's what everyone's saying. The, the poor deer can get cleaned up. Which I'm glad you can. Because it would just be completely sad if he couldn't be. Well, you know, even if those spots are permanent, I personally... There's an idea I've been playing around with to restore ponies in this condition if you're not comfortable with completely recreating the cutie mark from scratch. My idea would be that you can take, um, like, candle wax and drip it over the top of the cutie mark so that it's just covering the outline of the cutie mark. Then you can take an airbrush an airbrush white or whatever color you need over the body. And then just with your fingernails, pick the candle wax off the cutie mark and paint over it with the the appropriate color and you just have to stay in the lines. And then you wouldn't have to worry about trying to recreate the cutie mark from memory or whatever. You'd have a guide. Oh, yeah, just finding some safe way to mask it off. Yeah. I haven't tried it yet. And the reason why I thought candle wax is because you, if it didn't, you can, if you use like a, a white or a kind of clearish candle wax, you can kind of see the image underneath and you can just, or like clay working and just chip off the, the wax that doesn't need to be there. And it would be pretty easy. But, like, if you use, like, painter's tape, that's really, really opaque, and you're probably not going to be able to see the cutie mark underneath, and it's going to be much harder to mask it off. Mm, That's true. Yeah. Now, sometimes you can use, like, masking tape, because that's not as opaque as, like, the blue tape. But... I still think candle wax would probably just be easier to work with and it wouldn't it wouldn't leave a lasting as long as you use the the white or the clear stuff it's not going to stain and it'll be really easy to clean off. I have to try it myself, but this is my theory. <laughs> it's a sound theory. Oh. Did I tell you about my pony news? Uh, no, I don't think so. I got pony mail this week. Calavista sent me two customs. They weren't one of they weren't any of her customs. One was a custom by L- Lucky Four Leaf Clover, and the other one was a custom by Lady Satin. And they are both customs to go into my Moon Dancer army. Ooh. One is a green baby moon dancer, a metallic pearly green baby moon dancer, 
And the other... Sorry, I didn't quite make that out. What? Glane one? No, it's a custom. Oh, okay. And then the other is a G3 version of French G1 Moon Dancer. Ooh. So that was really <laughs> that was really cool. I love my Moon Dancer army. <laughs> and then I'm currently working on, as far as customs, I'm working on a swap pony for uh, Retro Dolls US. They're hosting a swap. It was a favorite thing to swap. Ooh. Ooh. And uh, I just need to uh, get around to adding the hair. I'll probably do that this week. And then I'm working on a custom baby sea pony. By the way, if, if, if I ever think about doing a custom baby sea pony again, someone slap me. <laughs> I thought, oh, custom baby sea pony. They're so small and they only have a mane, and this should be a piece of cake. Lies! Oh, lies! Because they don't stand. So, especially if you're having to do a full body repaint, kind of is frustrating. <laughs> Even if you're using an airbrush, because you have to do multiple passes. And you have to hold the pony the whole time. And it's just, it sucks. But I think the effect will be cool when it's done. I was inspired to do it because I had a, in my bait box, I had a baby um, celebrate, you know, from the birthday party pack. But she had not. She had not been kept well. Her hair was unsalvageable. She had cancer in various places. You know, it was just... She deserved a new life. And since I just joined a dragon boat team, um, not that I've been able to practice because we have a toxic algae bloom in the Willamette right now, which sucks but um, oh. because I just joined a, a dragon boat team and because Halloween is quickly approaching, I decided I would make her an orange and black sea pony. And so she, she has, her hair is going to be um, black fizz from Retro Dolls. And she's airbrushed in metallic. So she's going to look cool. I'm just I'm just hoping that I can keep my patience with her. <laughs> it's going to be neat when it's done, but it's also going to be frustrating to do it. Yep. Well, the best customs usually are the ones that you mutter unkind things to. Yeah. Oh, and I still need to finish the peacock pony that I started ages ago. 
I swear, I, I think I got an old batch of Sculpey or something, because I didn't order it from the Avis website. I bought it from a, a local retailer that carries it, and God knows how long it sat on the shelf before I bought it. But um, this thing molts more than a real bird. Oh, no. You know, I get feathers, and then they fall off, and they fall off from weird places, too. Like, you wouldn't expect them to, because they're sandwiched in between other sculpey feathers, and you'd think that they'd all be sticking to each other, but oh, no. So, but when it's done, the tail is going to be actual peacock feathers. So it'll be really cool when it's actually done. It's just... I'm going to shoot it or something before it's done because I have to sew the feathers onto the armature for the tail and I have to figure out what's causing feathers to molt on the wings and it's just but I, I don't think shoot it cool then you'll have done. to cook it and stuff it. <laughs> and it's not time for Thanksgiving yet. That's true. <laughs> oh, I learned recently that peacocks are related to um Pheasants and partridge and things like that. Oh yeah, yeah. Ground birds. Um. Mhm. But yeah, so I imagine that if you were to eat one, it would probably taste really good. Because at the very least, I know that pheasants taste delicious. I've had it before. It is quite possibly the best bird ever to eat. Mm. <laughs> yeah. My inner carnivore says, mm, doesn't. where I put my other customs. <laughs> Zombie Celestia. Sorry, I'm I'm poking through things in the house and finding things that I forgot about. Okay. So have you guys seen the Lord mm. of the episode? Yes. I'm not caught up at all. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm in a house with no internet. I'm not caught up at all. <laughs> okay, so, you know, well, after we what? after we get the car, then we'll get that straightened okay. out. Well, all I will say is, spoilers, Sailor Moon doesn't transform in an elevator. No. Because, actually, this episode was... Um, was part of the manga. This one and the next one were parts of the manga that were never animated. Oh. So these are fresh, out of the box, out of the manga, never been tampered with episodes. Now, I have to ask, has anyone attempted to watch the redub of the classic anime yet? 
besides me. No. Where can you find it? Um, Fred found it. He downloaded it. Um, Fred, where did you find it? He says you just have to do a Google search for download for that. Um, but yeah, we downloaded it, and I have to say, I want to cry. In between plotting murderous attempts on whoever cast the voice actors. No, no. Have you ever watched the computer animated Care Bears from the the short-lived series called Welcome to Carolot? Oh, God, I couldn't... I couldn't get past it because they changed Care Bear. Nothing to do with the new Care Bear. Do you remember Share Bear? I remember the From original Share Bear. Yes, had... I yes, I know, but but the one from 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 Welcome to Carolot. Share Bear from Welcome to Carolot. Okay, what was wrong with her? Well, she's really obnoxious, and all I can think about when I think about Share Bear is an episode where she ac- accidentally clones herself, and her clone runs around making a mess of things and shouting, Happy That voice actress is doing uh, Sailor Moon oh, in no. the same voice as Share Bear. Oh, that's so wrong. Which means every time... Usagi opens her mouth. All I hear is happy to help. (laughs) They have the voice actress who does (coughs) Fujiko from Loop on the Third doing Luna. Now, to be fair... The voice actress who does Fujiko from Loop on the Third is a fantastic voice actress. However, I don't feel that the voice matches Luna's character. I don't. Melvin's voice sounds terrible. However, Darian's voice is awesome. And, oh, and you know what's worse? When they go to dub Sailor Moon Crystal, they're going to use the same cast that they used to do the redub of the classic anime, which means when they go to dub Sailor Moon Crystal in English, once again, Usagi will have Share Bear's voice. Oh, well, there's a series I'm only going to be watching subtitled. Oh, and... When they've gone and redubbed in English the classic anime, they decided to bring over the Japanese music. And I know there are some people out there that were big fans of the Japanese music. I was not one of those people. And Jedi, his new voice actor makes him sound like a smarmy used car salesman. And his Japanese music reinforces that. (laughs) So it just... I feel like the redub is a failure. 
because the, I really didn't have a problem with the first season of Sailor Moon as far as the dubbing or the writing went. It was only as it went further in past the first season that things started to go downhill. And if they were going to redub the classic, they could have at least made it better, but it's not. Like, the, the, the voice actors are too familiar from other things that are current. They're not different from the characters that they have been playing recently. There are some fantastic voice actors out there that have a broad range, and it seems like they didn't get any of them. You know, um, Naru-chan, Chan, Naru-chan, Fred's been correcting my Japanese, (laughs) doesn't it's better than the Brooklyn accent, but it's not still not great. Like it's not believable to the characters. And I don't think it's going to be believable when they do it for Crystal either. I think that they kind of failed in for English goes and I'm almost insulted that this is the cast they chose. And I'm offended that the actress I'm offended that the actress who does Share Bear decided to use Share Bear for Sailor Moon because I found out that she also does the voice of Duchess Swan from Ever After High. And Duchess Swan does not sound like Share Bear. So clearly she can do something other than Share Bear and she just chose not to. Well, it might have also been that whoever was um, uh, the voice director may have said, I want to go for something like that when you do this voice. Well, then I think that whoever they got to be the voice director should be fired. And blacklisted. If anyone wants to see the redub of the original series, they actually have it on Hulu, and they're actually um, putting out episodes every every Monday. They're they're releasing two episodes every Monday. Yeah, I'm hoping that as it goes further into the series and more characters are released, that there will be a, there will be enough actual good casting calls and direction to counterbalance all the bad ones that they've made so far, or that maybe the current voice actors will have a growing understanding of the character that they're voicing. And we'll do a better job as they get used to the part. Because it probably is intimidating taking on revoicing characters that have such a venomous and devoted fan base. Yep. But 
I think, and I think part of what may have influenced their English casting call is the fact that the voice actress who does share bear, I really need to look up her actual name, um, sounds similar to the Japanese voice for Usagi. And so maybe they were trying to find someone who sounded the same as the Japanese voice. But I think that that may, even with the best of intentions, I think that 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 was a a bad call because I want the writing to be the same as in Japanese, but I don't necessarily want to hear the Japanese voices speaking English. Right. The writing in Japanese is amazing. Oh, yeah, I but agree. I don't necessarily. I but I don't necessarily have a good ear for Japanese voices. Like I like I've mentioned in previous discussions, because I have partial hearing loss, I think there are certain tones in their voices that I'm not able to hear that would make it sound more palatable to me if I could hear those tones. But I've never actually been a fan of... I I certainly wasn't a fan of the original Japanese voices. They got the same voice actress for Usagi who did the original Japanese Usagi. But I I just... I would have... I would have liked, and it, well, it, I, you know, I've actually grown to really like Sailor Moon Crystal and to I, to get used to the voices and everything. But um, for the English, I would have liked to have heard voices that fit what the character looks like. Right. You know, I shouldn't be picturing a purple Care Bear when I'm looking at Usagi. <laughs> I should be, you know, the voice actress from who does Rapunzel from Tangled. Sure. Make her Usagi. There I don't know go. her name either. Um, so I think she would have done a good job. Um, get the original Usagi back who did the original English. I loved her voice. I did too. Oh, she's, she's an awesome lady to meet, too. Yeah. You know, um, maybe the girl who does Haruhi Suzumiya in English. But not Cher Bear. No. And I, you know, and that's the problem with some voice actors. You know, they some of them have only basically one voice. Yeah, and that does not work. I mean, um, look at the Simpsons. Okay. They've got one person, okay, and they're voicing, like, 
three or four characters. And guess what? You would never know that there was one voice actor voicing three or four characters. Well, it's like with My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. The same voice actress who does Rainbow Dash does Applejack. The same voice actress that does Pinkie Pie does Fluttershy. These characters have conversations with each other, and they don't sound like the same voice actress. You wouldn't know that it was one person basically talking to themselves. (laughs) And that's the sort of talent I'm looking for for an anime that is so beloved as Sailor Moon. I'm not looking for a goofy, comical voice actress for Sailor Moon. No. She's goofy and comical by herself without having somebody adding the voice to it. Well, but more importantly, she is not the comic relief. She also is a princess. And the hero and a leader and inspiring. She can't just be goofy and comical. She has to be a much deeper character. She needs to have a voice that can go from I'm terrified and crying in a corner to I am the badass that's going to kick your ass. Yeah. Yeah, somebody with it's got to be somebody with a good range. Yeah. I mean like I should never be a voice actress cuz I pretty much have like three voices. I have my voice, the voice I use for people I don't like, and the voice I use for people I do like. And that's it. <laughs> but there yeah. are people with tremendous range who can do multiple characters for extended periods of time with a large emotional range for each character. And I really wish that they would have gone beyond, oh, let's find someone who sounds exactly like the Japanese voice actor. Because I don't care about that. I don't. It is not at all important to me. I'm not Japanese. If I'm watching it in Japanese and it has a Japanese voice actress, great. But I was first exposed to Sailor Moon through the English dub that appeared on standard TV at 6 o'clock in the morning on Channel 12. Yep. And me, it was... Go, Go ahead. Yeah, so for me... The original Sailor Moon isn't the Japanese. Maybe the Japanese was the original Sailor Moon, but it wasn't my original Sailor Moon. My original Sailor Moon was the English dub. And, yes, I grew increasingly disappointed with the English dub as it went on, but that's because they were so uncomfortable with the later seasons that they, they started changing things and the writing got bad and they tried to be cool by using slang and it just made it sound dated and there were so many things they changed the voice actors but tried to keep keep them sounding the same and they didn't but they thought they did and it just 
so many bad decisions were made in the later seasons, but the first two seasons at the very least, I adored. I lived for those. It is how it is what got me to school on time. Those hadn't been on at 6 a.m. every morning on the weekdays. I would not have made it to the bus stop at 7. And for me, it was it was a reason to run home in the afternoon because, you know, this could have been the week where, you know, they had Sailor Moon on. Because for me, yeah, it well, was very sporadic. <laughs> yeah, it just, it, it meant so much to me when I first saw it. And I really, truly love the characters. And to have the, the characters cheapened to a two, such a two-dimensional level that I can't even feel them as the right character, you know, it's... It robs it's the like, show of a lot of its magic. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm not able to suspend reality for long enough to buy into what's actually happening on the show. And, yeah, I can totally see what they were going for because the, the that voice actress does sound like the Japanese voice actress. But the way Japanese works and the way English works are, are very different. I'm learning this stuff. My husband keeps trying to correct my Japanese. Their inflections and their accents and what they put emphasis on are in totally different places. Their rhythm that they talk in is very different from the rhythm that we talk in. And so it's not going to sound right to English ears to use the same inflections and and characterization that it sounds like in Japanese because we just, the languages are very different. They're both beautiful um, as languages. Maybe English a little less so because we we hijack other people's languages a lot. But I think that they needed to really be more thoughtful about their casting choices. The writing is exceptional because it's basically the, the the same script that the Japanese would translate to, that the subtitles are. So that's great. It's just that the casting, they made some really bad calls. Sorry, I just talked an awful lot. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's okay. That's, that's okay. We're used to it. Yeah. We would have jumped in if, if we had felt the need to. Exactly. But, um, yeah, I completely agree with you. I mean, I remember, you know, the very first time I ever watched it, it was like, okay, so where's the male superhero that's going to come in and save them? Because they're girls. <laughs> they, they, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute, they're kicking, wait, wait, they're kicking the bad guys. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> because you were always so used to, if it was a girly show, and it had a bad guy in it, a guy always came to save the girls. 
And the most guy co- coming to save the girls that we got was Tuxedo Mask would come in and throw a rose, and then he'd be gone. Yeah. So kind of like, yeah, kinda like how guys are in a romantic setting. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a flower. Bye. <laughs> Show up, throws the flower, gives some words of encouragement, then takes off. Yeah, so it was kind of like, wait a minute, hold on. This isn't the norm, because it's the girls who are beating up the bad guys, who are destroying the bad guys. So, right there, it completely changed what you thought, except for me. Um, I have the original um, English version. On DVD. And I love it. I do, too. Me, too. And <laughs> We all do. And I have the entire um, first and second season of the Japanese version. And, of course, I have the other se- seasons, too, in all the movies. The first time I watched the season one and season two, I kid you not, I think I stayed up all night just to finish watching the first season. (laughs) You know, people talk about binge-watching shows on Netflix. Let me just say, as a long-time fan of anime... You don't know the success and feeling of pride of binge-watching until you are popping in VHS cassettes that only have two episodes per per cassette. Oh, yeah. Yes. And doing that until you watch an entire season of an anime. Yep. I did that with my Slayers VHS tapes all the time. I still have my Slayers VHS tapes. Yeah, or see, and kids, kids today, they just don't know. I mean, you can't just hit next. It doesn't autoplay for you. You have to get your ass off the couch or out of bed and eject and rewind. Unless you don't yep. have a separate rewinder, then you have to rewind and then eject. And then you have to put in the next one. And you have to fast forward through the legalese at the beginning about co- copyright and privacy and piracy laws. Yep. And, you couldn't just skip that. <laughs> and you had to sit there and watch all the previews. Yep. They had enough previews on a VHS tape, they could have fit another episode on there. <laughs> but, you know, it's the same thing if you're watching on DVDs, especially with um, Sailor Moon. Each season, I kid you not, had has, like, eight or nine DVDs to it. So it's like every two hours you're getting up and having to flip out DVDs. Mm-hmm. Well, we felt so, like we were getting spoiled with DVDs because they had like four episodes as opposed to two. Like, <laughs> wow, this is cool. <laughs> and you could skip between the episodes and... Oh yeah. You didn't have to rewind it. 
Yeah. What? We only have five minutes left of the show. Oh. Okay. So, but, yeah. My train of thought. But, yeah, I... I'm going to give it a shot because I am a longtime Sailor Moon fan and I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt that they will either realize their mistake and partway through season one or or at the end of season one before they hit season two, they will change voice actresses. They did that, you know, in the first season, like halfway through the first season of the first one, Sailor Moon got her second voice. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, if they don't, I'm just hoping that the voice actress figures out her character. The voice actresses figure out their characters more, really flesh out who they're supposed to be, because Sailor Moon is so much more than a goofy crybaby. Oh, my gosh. And the pro- oh, the biggest problem is that of that particular voice actress does a terrible crying voice. She can't cry. Oh, God. It sounds fake. It doesn't sound like genuine crying. It sounds like when the baby's trying to convince me that she's mad about something. As you look away and you're not paying attention anymore. Crying stops, right? (laughs) Yeah. It just stands what they were trying to go for. I just think that it didn't turn out the way they hoped. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. I just think it didn't turn out the way they had hoped. No that it didn't translate the way they thought it would. So. Yes, well. You know, like, I never pictured Jedi as a smarmy car salesman. I pictured him as an as an evil bad guy. Not yet. And I think if they were going to cast anybody to do him in the, in the redubs, I think they could have done Vic Manoa if they weren't going to make him sound all heavy-throated and stuff. Mm-hmm. Because Vic Manoa, man, he has a fantastic range. Oh, my gosh. And he's got a great yeah. voice, too. He's has yeah. a beautiful singing voice. He does. Like, I didn't even realize until we were watching um, Dragon Ball Z Kai, and my husband pointed out to me, that Vic Manoa was the one who was singing the theme song? Like, no. Yep. Oh, hey guys, see, he is it. We've only got one minute, so do we want to get Kimono in really quick? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, better get her in real fast. Okay, till next week, Pony Night Night. Pony Night Night. Night Night, everybody. This is Kimono, and you have listened to Pony Talk. See you next week. Bye-bye.
be it would be just like a crime if someone were to redub kimono. <laughs> Well, it's like you said before, she does get angry if you don't, you know, get her in oh, yeah. there because she's got that contract. Yeah, yeah, she does have that contract. You know, and she has a contract with the no dubbing policy. So she cannot <laughs> be redubbed. You know, she was very okay, but it's like... On that. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, I, I as far as the redub for Sailor Moon... It just it should have been better, not worse. And yeah. you're redubbing a classic. For better or worse, it's a classic. People know it. And you're redubbing episodes that were never seen in the US. Yeah. Well but I mean even, like even the classic the classic episodes, even if we just get what we originally got, but they redub it. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. Yep. So you have to make sure that the voice actors are going to have a great range, because it would Sailor Moon and anim, most anime are not actually meant to be viewed by children. Right. They're for young adults or adults. It's it's not, you know... It's anime, it. not a cartoon. Yeah. Yes. And I, so, you know, it would be like somebody redubbing, you know, a classic film and deciding that Audrey Hepburn was going to be voiced by Lindsay Lohan. No. Oh, yeah. You know? It's just, you'd be mad, right? Yeah. yeah. Because they don't, it doesn't fit. The voices, they right. don't fit. Right, and um, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm the Sailor Moon, um, I think it's on the Sailor Moon um, Japanese version, Japanese episode. They have um, a commercial on there for Anime Network, and they clearly you know, not not kids stuff. Meaning the an- anime is not for kids. And when they brought it over from Japan to here, they did. Tra- they were making Sailor Moon for kids. That's why the Japanese version has a rating of T for teen. And the American version is G-rated. Well, when they were bringing uh, Sailor Moon over, it was like anime was not widely known in the States. It was maybe a couple people had seen Astro Boy and Speed Racer. And that's a little more kid-rated, but... It was still, you know, people looked at it and went, oh, you know, it's a uh, 2D animation, it's a cartoon. Yeah. We'll, you know, we'll we'll dumb it down and make it safe for little kids because they're the only ones that are going to watch something that's a cartoon. Yeah. You know, it's like it, basically adults don't watch cartoons. 
was yeah. And it, because you can definitely tell that they completely reanimated the show because, as I said, I've been watching, as I've been watching Crystal, I've been trying to watch the matching episodes that go with it. And watching the episodes right after another, you can definitely tell that it was completely reanimated when it came to the U.S. Mm-hmm. Because you're watching um, the Masquerade Ball. Okay. You have Serena, I'm, yes, I'm using her English name, who's falling off the side of the building. And the next minute, you see her in the scene where she was trying to find something to go wash off her dress. Hmm. And nothing in between is to explain where that jump came from. All of a sudden, she's standing on the ground with an umbrella. Okay. (laughs) It's like, I mean, when you're a kid, when earlier, like when we were younger, we probably never noticed it. But now I am starting to, I am noticing that because, yeah, I am watching the Japanese version right before watching the English remake. So you're looking at it kind of like, okay, how did I not question this when I first saw it? (laughs) (laughs) I kind of like, I know I'm on drugs now, but I know I wasn't on drugs then. (laughs) So... I, right now, I can blame the drugs, but I really can't because it isn't the drugs. It's the actual anime. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah. you know, and, yeah, it, I totally know the history and why things were changed and how people who eventually came to know the original script cheated from the changes, but that didn't mean that the voice acting from season one or two was bad. No. The voice actors did a great job with the script they were given, and I think that the biggest problems I had with the voice acting only happened starting with the airing of Supers, where they totally changed the cast around. Because if you remember, they did Sailor Moon, And what they called Sailor Moon R, they didn't call it Sailor Moon R. It was just like season two and season three. Yeah. Um, And then they did Sailor Moon Supers. They didn't do Sailor Moon S until after Sailor Moon Supers. Yeah. They did them out of order. (laughs) So the voice acting didn't get bad until they did Supers. And that's because they changed the cast then. And I think if they had gotten the original cast, even if Molly still had a Brooklyn accent and Luna was still British, I think <laughs> I think that it would have been a better 
I like Luna as a British person. I it, it just it makes her it seem, made it seem particularly authoritarian. I don't know. Um, it, it made yeah. her sound more refined. I think was the idea they were going for. Well, and it worked too. Like I totally bought it. You know, it made sense in my head when I first heard it. Yeah. And now she's just the talking cat. She has oh, no dear. She she doesn't sound refined. She doesn't sound like there's anything special about her. She's just a crazy talking cat. That's kind of insulting <laughs> and pushy. <laughs> and that just means she's a cat. Right. It basically took her from a teacher to a cat that you can understand. That's it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure if you could understand my cat, it would basically be pushy, insulting creatures. Yeah. Well, my cat would be like a cat. I, I mean, I'm sh- I'm pretty sh- certain that my cat Peter would be like, "Hey, dum dum, food dish is empty." Hey, I think that's what my dog and I, say. And, and and I am thoroughly convinced that when we pick up the small cat Kyrie, and she makes all her angry cat sounds, I'm pretty sure those are swear words. <laughs> <laughs> God effing, dang it, put me down, you bleep, the bleep, bleep. (laughs) I'm pretty sure our our younger cat, our smaller cat, Kyrie, has has the uh, vocabulary of a well-educated sailor. (laughs) The little kitty cat Tourette's Tourette's syndrome. You know, oh, she'd be a, she, <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, she's, she's got a bad attitude and she's a bit of a scaredy <laughs> cat, which is hilarious. She's like the foul mouthed little sister of the cowardly lion. <laughs> Part of it though is because she was a partially domesticated feral cat when, when I brought her home. She was a feral uh-huh. cat that lived in my friend's backyard, and my friend's mom was taking care of her. And she was hiding under the porch. And so what I did to catch her was I stood on the porch very quietly and waited for her to come out. <laughs> as soon as she was mostly out, I grabbed her from above. <laughs> for the first year that we owned her, wherever she would go, she would like army crawl across the floor, perpetually looking up. Because <laughs> she was waiting for you to snatch, snatch her again. Yeah. <laughs> Although I suppose to be fair, with humans being an apex predator and to have one snatch you from from above is probably traumatizing. <laughs> Oh, you traumatized the kitty cat. She's gotten better. She's like she's like eight now, so she's mellowed up a little bit. But I don't think she'll ever be sane. <laughs> Not really. Yeah. Yeah, she probably really is looking up, kind of like, okay, is she gonna get? Is she gonna get me now? Is she gonna get me now? 
Is she going to get me now? It kind of sounds like she my dog. She a lot of time hiding in closets and under chairs and bookcases. <laughs> well, see, you see um, my dog, um, we never had to do claws removed because we never knew that it was going to be an issue. Well, we never noticed his dew claws until they're curled around to the point where you need to use wire cutters to get uh. the suckers off because there's no way to get the regular nail clippers in there for the dog. So whenever I say your dew claws need to be clipped, he knows that he needs to be on the lookout. <laughs> for me to come and catch him. Um, ever since my knee, the knee surgery and all the complications, he's been better. He knows that, okay, you know what, she cannot chase me around this house. I've already hurt her enough by jumping up on that leg. So now he'll kind of, okay, come, he'll, I, I still have to catch him, put him down between my legs. <laughs> And just grab the grab the foot, grab the clippers, and just clip as quick as I possibly can. Despite the fact that I'm not hurting him, he he, he swear to God, I was trying to kill him. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, like tonight cool. or tomorrow, whichever I have time, I'm supposed to bathe this little cat Kyrie. You know the one I was just talking about. Oh, dear. Well, very few people know. Is that where is my cat Pewter, the bigger one, the older one? Will just sit in the bathtub and look at you with big, giant puss in boot eyes and make you feel really guilty for giving him a bath. Uh huh. <laughs> Kyrie, you can you will hear her voice devolve from angry cat to a howling hound dog, <laughs> <laughs> and she will spend the bulk of the bath time howling. It is hilarious. That's what my dog used to do when we first started giving him baths. Is first of all, you would if you looked at my arms, you'd swear to God I'd I'd just been attacked by a werewolf or something because I would have scratch marks all over the place. He actually drew blood one time. That was how bad it was. And he would like just whine and whimper and just, you know, give the biggest fuss. Now, we tell him bath time. He'll go in the bathroom, sit right next to the bathtub, head down. Kind of like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do anything. Now when he's in the bathtub, he's just looking up at you kind of like, can we just please finish this up? As he's running away from you and the bu- the bucket of water. <laughs> oh once goodness! He's, once he's out and he knows he's gonna get dried off, he is all up in your business, kind of like, <laughs> oh yeah, I love this, I love this part. <laughs> but of course, once we clean out the um, the bottom of the bathtub, it, I swear to God, we had about three more dogs. <laughs> that we just see. So the the one beast that's now running around the house acting like a moron, <laughs> running himself over the kitchen floor, mopping the kitchen floor. 
because he's so slightly wet. As we're yelling at him to stop doing that, stop going in the living room. <laughs> and every time you tell him to stop, he does it more. <laughs> oh, no, actually, he will stop it because he knows that if he stops, he knows he's going to get a treat because he was good in the bathtub. Aww. And if he's even better once he's outside in the bathtub, he gets more of that treat. So he knows it's a begging strip night. Ooh. Or if it's um, summer cute and we barbecued steak, he knows it's steak night. He knows oh. That's a good incentive to be a good dog. Oh, yeah. yeah. That or you know, Melody is still terrified of dogs. Aww. Aww. She I'm really hoping. Well, she, see, that's the problem. She hasn't. She's only met my sisters, Chorkies, and Chihuahua. Yeah, and they are and, not kid friendly. Well, and, well, it's not even that they're not even necessarily aggressive dogs. It's just that they have no sense of personal space or boundaries. Oh. Mm-hmm. And there's four of them, and they're all related. There's a mom and four puppies, or three puppies. And they're like a school of fish, you know? There's never just <laughs> one. <laughs> and they swarm you. They swarm you, wanting oh so much to love you and lick up your nose and lick your eyeball and lick in your ear and climb on. It's terrifying to a little baby. Oh, gee. You know, that's, that's like when my parents bred chow chows. And my dad would always, when I was little, my dad would always tell me, don't go in the kitchen where the puppies are. You will get mauled. And sure enough, I would go in there and I'd be under a pile of chow-chow puppies. Yeah. <laughs> and it just, I'm hoping that in a few years, now that Fred's gotten a new job with a new company, did I tell you that? No. Oh, no. That's great. Yeah. Uh, oh, Saturday cool. was his last day working at Safeway. Um. And he starts at New Seasons Market, which is a local grocery chain. Um, on Saturday, this upcoming Saturday, and there's a lot more room for advancement and promotion. The pay is better overall. Um, he has to start out a little bit lower at first, but everybody thinks that he'll get promoted quickly. And so I'm hoping that in a year or two, he'll it will be in a better financial position and we'll be able to get a house. And once we get a house, then we can get a proper dog. Uh, and I, I will pay to take that dog to proper obedience training. Because I think most people don't pay for obedience training and don't take the time to properly train dogs themselves. Right. You're absolutely I, right I, in that. I don't. I think people get so caught up in the idea of oh, I want a kitty, I want a doggy, aren't they cute, aren't they fun, that they don't realize what a commitment. Being 
a pet owner is, whether it's a fish, a turtle, a dog, a cat. You can't just bring them in and think it's all going to work out. Well, I mean, yeah, there and, is no uh, such thing as an easy pet. Yeah, I've I've had to explain the same thing to uh, quite a few of my friends because, you know, they see my parrot and they go, oh, he's so easy to take care of. He's so cool. I want one. And you got to explain to people, this animal lives for 60 years. It will outlive you. It will outlive, you know, people that you know. And they're not just, you can't just stick them in a corner in a cage You've got to interact with them. You have to train them. You have to talk to them, you know, and it's with it's like with any other pet. With cats and dogs, you have to set boundaries. You have to be the alpha all the time. You've got to, you know, teach them this is what you eat and this is where you go to the bathroom and this is what happens when you scratch up the furniture and you don't bite the baby and you don't eat food off my plate. You eat it off your own plate. Well, and, and people don't realize with birds how incredibly intelligent and emotional birds actually are. You oh, know, yeah. they get this, it's like they get this idea that because it doesn't have fur, it has feathers, that it must be less intelligent than a mammal. But birds are incredibly intelligent. Not all of them. Finches are questionable. I don't think you can ever really domesticate a finch. No. Sorry, finch lovers. They're just feathered bees to me. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but parrots, parakeet, um, those sorts of cockatoos, those sorts of birds are incredibly intelligent, and they do live for a very long time, and they get oh. emotionally attached. I used to work at a pet store, and people would come and be like, oh, that's a great bird. I want a bird. And I swear I would have to sit there for like an hour explaining this is our policy with birds. Once you have that animal for two weeks, you can't bring it back because that bird will have imprinted on you. And after at that point, it's your bird forever, for life. There is no going back. There is no, well, I'm bored with it. I'll just resell it. That bird will die without you. You cannot leave that bird. You cannot give it away. You cannot decide, well, gee, this is harder than I thought. This, you are marrying this bird. Yeah, it's it's an emotional investment, and a lot of people don't understand that. Especially with, you know, the greys and Amazons. Yeah. Oh, oh, my gosh. Oh, ruby-breasted cockatoos. You can explain it to a person you know, till two weeks from Sunday, and they're like, yeah, yeah, whatever, okay, it's cool, right? But they really don't get it. We had so many people try to bring the bird because it wasn't fun anymore. And when we refused to, there was actually one person with a ruby-breasted cockatoo, and this made me cry. They tried to bring it back, and we said we wouldn't take it back, and we wouldn't give them a refund. It was their bird, right? Mm-hmm. And... They got mad, and they didn't want the bird anymore, so they just put it, like, on the desk and tried to walk out the door. Oh. Macy, sweetie, don't cry. Don't cry. Don't cry. It's okay, honey. 
yeah, these parts were smart. Let me go back to the apartment really quick. Um, there was one time mom was at work. She came home. She went to turn on the space heater. Um, a good thing she didn't because they figured out how to open the door of the cage and get out oh, and yeah. fly around the apartment. So my mother actually had to lock the cages with clothespins, twist ties, <laughs> just to keep them in. Yeah, we we had to do that with my African Grey squeaker because we got him cage and we figured, okay, well, it's a, it's a secure cage. He's not going to get out. And we put a lock on the main door, yeah. and then there was a side door, and he figured out how to open it. And I came home, yeah. and he ate one of my books because <laughs> he got out on the shelf, and he was so proud of himself. He was like, hi, hey, Mom! Oh, and no, he no, no, ate no. a book. Um, we got the dog, and we still had the birds. We had um, the mother, the father, and two of the boys. Because by the time we went to go and sell them, they were too old to go. So we kept all mm-hmm. four of them. Oh. And they bonded, the the birds and the dogs. Because <laughs> yeah. First of all, they all lived on the porch, so they all shared a room. <laughs> <laughs> they were roomies. Yep. But... As soon as one of them went nuts and bonkers, it would start squeaking and squealing and, like, flapping their feathers against the cage. My dog, the dog, would literally be in the living room. He would shoot through the house, go stand and look at the cage, kind of like, okay, what's wrong? And that was hilarious because it was like the birds had the dog trained. <laughs> well, you know, like I said, birds are incredibly intelligent animals. And people don't give them enough credit for how intelligent they actually are. Well, well, it's like if you read any anything that... um. What was that lady's name? Irene Pepperberg, the woman that did the research with Alex the African Grey. She yeah. she wrote a book that was just about her and the research that she had done with Alex. And it's amazing the stuff that this little one pound grey chicken could could understand and communicate yep. to you. And there was actually <laughs> I saw this. Um, on an internet news site the other day, there was another research facility uh, somewhere in Africa where they were doing work with the the parrots. And Jane Goodall, the gorilla lady, came into the um, the research facility. The birds recognized her from a picture, and she looked at and the bird looked at her and said, "Got a chimp." <laughs> <laughs> so he made that connection that. He saw her, he remembered her face from a picture and made that connection and went, hey, that's the gorilla lady. 
I'm going to ask her if she has one with her. <laughs> there we go. Well, see, um, another funny story. Uh, unfortunately, the gray, um, the mother, unfortunately, passed away. So my cousin had this brilliant idea of getting a white cockatiel that my mother always wanted. She wanted wanted the white female, especially after the the female one female had died, to try to mate with the gray, with one of the two uh, younger ones, not the old one. Well, mm-hmm. ended up we ended up getting a male because the bird never went into heat. Right. But this bird was so intelligent that she he would open up his cage, crawl out of the cage, because they were all, 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 everyone was in a separate cage except for the two boys, the uh, brothers. They were in mm-hmm. a cage together, but they were all, like, right next to each other. Got up on top of the cages of the other two, the other two cages. And just started going back and forth between them. <laughs> <laughs> would never fly away. Would let us take and we'd, we'd put out our fingers and he would crawl right onto our fingers so he can go right back into his cage. Never would would never fly around the house. He would just get out of his cage, go on the top, just start walking around, kind of like neener, 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 I'm out here, not. <laughs> and you saw this the other birds would be going insane because they're like pissed off because what what, what the white one gets special attention <laughs> oh they, they're funny when they get jealous because the two that I have they get oh gosh Squeaker gets so jealous of Salty because oh, I'll let, if I let Salty out and if he gets out to go play in the tub or sit on my knee, oh, Squeaker gets so mad. And he <laughs> screams for my boyfriend or he'll scream for me. And then, of course, after I put Salty back in his cage, then Squeaker has to come out and crawl all over my boyfriend's shoulder and get his head scratched and get treats. <laughs> and Oh, they're like little kids. And, you know, it's like the teenager and the obnoxious little brother. Yep. <laughs> you you give one attention, you got to give the other one attention. Yep. They got a lot of work, but they're good boys. Yeah, we would, we would yell at the white one. And the white one would kind of look up kind of like, yeah, I know I'm in trouble, but I'm pissing these three off. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why he would like. Okay, I'm come. He would just crawl onto our fingers and just let us put him back in the cage without any fuss. Was mm-hmm. because okay, I have accomplished what I wanted to accomplish. <laughs> <laughs> I made everybody else mad, so I'll go back now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and oh, did I tell was, you what what Pony Baby has started doing recently? Oh, uh, what's she doing? She is learning how to play pretend. Ooh. She uh, she has a toy phone that it you know it looks like an like an old office phone. 
sort of thing, you know, where it has the big bass and the little handle set, except it's not corded, which is weird. Um, it, it's a cordless phone. <laughs> but she's taken to carrying around the handle set and walking around the living room talking into it. And then she'll <laughs> hand me the phone and I talk into it. And she, I give it back to her and she talks into it. And she she walks around the living room, you know. Fred says, it's like what Mama does when she's on the air. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. She's pretending she's the, she is the future host of Blog Talk Radio. There you yeah. go. <laughs> and she's also learning the joys of writing utensils. Ah. Yeah, on paper and not on walls, I hope. Well, <laughs> mostly on paper. We were we were actually at a coffee shop today, and they have this giant blackboard. Oh, on fun! One. Yeah, and it's Ooh. it's it's for people to write on. So it's it's on the customer side of the counter where the espresso machine is counter, and then they have big sidewalk chalks. Mm-hmm. Oh, mostly, mostly little, uh, mostly little kids use it, but sometimes older older people use it. But mostly it's kids. And Melody, Daddy, Daddy showed ba- Pony Baby, and. She said, you know, writing on this big chalkboard is fun, but what I really want to do is I want to write on that wood wall over there next to the cash register. Of course, because oh. it's blank. It needs to be made pretty. <laughs> well, and it's already pretty because it's like a polished red-colored wood, like a cherry. <laughs> Which means it's the perfect color for a nice light pink or a white or a light purple chalk. On the chalkboard, she would just do, like, stippling and, like, try and, like, poke at it with the chalk. But you put her in front of the wood and she'll draw big lines. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, goes with the big lines in the wood grain. Yeah, so... And there was this adorable little, like, three-year-old there today who was trying to show Melody how to do it before she's three. So she's not really good at writing either. (laughs) Oh, kind of a blind leading the blind situation. But, I mean, at least she kind of knew some of her letters, which was adorable. She's like, look, I made an eye. Like that. That's great, sweetie. <laughs> but then again, I guess it could have been a giant lowercase L or just a giant line. Or <laughs> well, if you think about it, if you think about it, um, most word programs I... nowadays, the uppercase I looks like a lowercase l. Yeah, the, the lowercase l's look like uppercase i's. I don't like Helvetia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's where kids are going to be bad at spelling. 
especially if all they're using is word programs. Yeah. But anyway, so it was, but it was, it was pretty cute though. Yeah. Well, and ladies. Oh, sorry. And that comment comes from someone who, on a regular basis, loves her spell check. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. I'm a writer. I'm not supposed to know how to spell. <laughs> That's what the editor is for. <laughs> well, you know, I've learned that there are things you learn to spell as a parent that you'd never really think about otherwise. <laughs> That's I okay. Can't. There are certain words I can only spell in icing. <laughs> like That's anniversary true. and congratulations. Yep. Yes. In ink? Nope, can't do it. Put an icing bag in my hands? I know how to spell that word. <laughs> also, there are certain words you learn from being perpetually sick that you wouldn't otherwise be a little confused at how to spell. Like pneumonia. I got yeah. that one down. Wrong <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh my boyfriend knows form. how to spell that word. And there is an Strapped art form. And there is an art form to looking at a medical record, handwritten by a doctor. Swear to God, it looks like chicken scratch, but if you turn it just the right angle, it says pneumonia. <laughs> oh, doctors aren't supposed to know how to write. They that's what they have secretaries and office staff for. Well, no, see, here's the thing. My mother swears to God there was a there has to be a class in medical school in how to write in hieroglyphics and chicken scratch. <laughs> because half the half of what they write oh. writing down Looks like hieroglyphics. <laughs> I read a joke on uh, the on Facebook the other day, but it's probably true, which is a little scary. You know, the first form of writing was like hieroglyphics, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. But now that we have computers and emojis and things, people most uh, are more and more using symbols to communicate what they're writing yeah and eventually technology will get to a point that writing comes full circle and we start using hieroglyphics again oh we'll go back to hieroglyphics and cuneiform there we go (laughs) we only write on paper honey not on mommy's laptop not on mommy's laptop just on paper (laughs) See, that's why you get that special color wonder stuff. I do. I do have that. (laughs) Cinderella. (laughs) It's just that my husband has, I can't ever remember where he puts them. He's like a pen squirrel. (laughs) A pen squirrel? He has all these, (laughs) you know, he stashes them and then he forgets where they are. But the baby knows. But the baby knows. I, I, you know, the baby always knows where everything is at. (laughs) It's like whenever, if ever I can't find any of my pairs of scissors, I have my friend's 
uh, youngest son come over. He can find every pair of scissors in my house. <laughs> in less than 10 minutes. Why? You, you don't get to write on the laptop. If you're going to try and write on the laptop, I'm going to take the pen. That's just how it works. Now, I got you the really cool Monster High drawing pad. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I suppose it's just a regular laptop. It doesn't have a skin or anything. It just says Toshiba, so it's not, I guess, that critical, but it's the principle of the thing. Well, ladies, I, it's I almost 11 o'clock here, so I'm going to get going. Okay. All right. I'll talk to you well, next we week. Good talk night. to you next week. All right. Night. Night. Well, we didn't talk about plushies at all today, but that's okay. Yeah, I already changed the topic. Hey, Nishi, have you ever seen the movie Hackers? Yes, I used to love that movie. I can totally see Pony Baby, exactly what they did with their computers. So oh, you'll have to remind me. I don't remember anymore. Um, they would take like templates and like you know spray paint them with their own designs. Oh yeah. Well, they're I artists can... to make good money doing that for people. Oh yeah. Totally see her doing that to her own laptop when she grows up. <laughs> I'm actually sitting here with the Color Wonder Cinderella stuff with Melody and trying to show her how to do it. (laughs) But she'd rather chew on the cap, like any good child. Oh, yes. The cap is always delicious. Didn't you know that? (laughs) But, yeah, these Color Wonder things are awesome. I haven't gotten one yet. And that's quite amazing because I am a big collector of um, coloring books. Don't ask. (laughs) Oh, I I still have, like, one for ants and stuff that I never finished. I want to go out and get the big baby coloring crayons, the big thick ones. Okay. So that Melody can start coloring in the coloring books I have? Yes, but I'm very sure you're probably very afraid that she'll also decorate the walls. Yeah, Melody is a little confused by coloring just yet. (laughs) But she's only 15 and a half months old. I suppose she's rather... She's doing okay by probably normal standards, I guess. (laughs) What do you mean I need to stay in the lines? Well, she just doesn't seem to understand the art of actually coloring. Like, she's all about making lines. 
you know. It's just the whole coloring thing within is, uh, I guess, rather confusing. Yeah, I understand that. Also, the whole cats aren't really for chewing on is a little... But yeah, I should probably let you go. I need to make dinner for everybody. Yeah, and I should actually get to sleep. Because, again, I've been put on another medication. Oh. Feeling better. I I hope so. I'm, um... The actual lumbar procedure is actually scheduled for next Wednesday. Oh, well, do you want us to do another customizer interview for that Monday so that you can just recuperate that day? Well, no. It's mm-hmm. next Wednesday that I'm having the, um, the procedure. Well, yeah, but I mean, shouldn't you be, like, resting, like, that whole week following? Well, I see. I don't know what I'm going to be like afterwards, anyway. So I'll probably be fine by that next Monday. Well, I maybe hope. we should do a customizer interview anyway, because <laughs> you haven't done a customizer interview in a long time. And I was talking to Kay Cherry just the other day. I bought a pony from her. Ah. And. Okay. And she was saying that she would love to come on the show again. She had a great time that one time she was interviewed. <laughs> and you did that interview, as I recall. I do believe I might have. <laughs> that was back in the in in, in the in the before time. Back when there was a pony genie and a little alley cat. And I bet you you could even probably talk Car Red Roses into tr- being a, a co-host for that. I might. I'll, I'll definitely have to talk to her. <laughs> well, then I guess we'll probably end up doing a customizer interview. Yeah, that would be fun. I would love... I had so much fun when you interviewed me. You're really... <laughs> You really are, I think, the funnest interviewer. Oh. So well, unfortunately, you'd have to be prepared for me to come up with off-the-wall questions because I currently—that's how I am now. <laughs> well, see, honest. that's great because, like, you know, I—I I gave up trying to. Uh, use the old questions eventually because my my computer has gotten so sketchy that it doesn't always want to open it. Oh. Or when if it does open it, like, it'll get stuck and it'll stop scrolling. <laughs> so I only get the first section of questions. <laughs> oh, I really need a new laptop, seriously. I don't know how I've survived this long. Um, so, yeah, oh. so... You, you're a really fun interviewer, and I think that just for old times' sake, we should do a customizer interviewer, and you should interview someone, and it should be someone like Kay Cherry or um, B-Chan or 
you know, oh, one of one of the people we haven't interviewed in years. Well, do you want to go ahead and contact them and get that set up? I will do my best. Um, send me a Facebook message with that partic what that particular Monday that you want to do it. Okay. Because I get confused on dates when I'm looking at a calendar. Oddly enough, the way calendars work really confuses me. <laughs> I've never been calendars. Or linear time, well, for that matter. Well, I currently hate calendars because they remind me that I have to go to see yet another doctor's appointment. So. But, yeah, I guess I do want to do another another customizer interview. And, yeah, it has been a long time. Yeah. Yep, I think I think that's what we should do. So, yeah, if you send me that date, I will contact some people and track them down and see if they and if you, are able to come on the air. And if you want, you can even keep it a secret from me as to who Oh, you mean just be like... Surprise! You're interviewing someone today. <laughs> oh no! Keep the person I'm. We're going to be interviewing a secret. You know, don't tell oh. me who it is. Okie dokie. <laughs> yeah, kind of be. How is it that babies can magically lose markers in an obvious place? Okay, like, oh, it must have rolled under the ottoman. You look under the ottoman, it's not there. Like, didn't I see them go under there? No idea. (laughs) Babies are strange, magical creatures. That they are. All right, well, I will let you go. Okay. And I will I will hear from you soon. Yes, you will. Okay. Pony night night. Pony night night. Is that it? Are we alone? <sighs> well, you heard it here. I'm doing another customizer interview. Hopefully in just a few short weeks. With more plushy love. So, till then, happy pony hunting. Good night.